You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Hey, this is Ariel Hawani, host of the MMA Hour on the Vox Media Podcast Network. Each week, we interview the biggest names in the world of mixed martial arts and beyond. So tune in live every Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern over at MMAfighting.com or download the show afterwards on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and wherever you get your podcast. We'll see you then. Hi, welcome back to an emergency episode of the Limited Upside Podcast. Emergency! There he is. That's Prada. Uh, he was on the podcast as well today. And we also welcomed uh, Mike Pina from Vice Sports on. He's uh, our resident Celtics expert and, and overall uh, long tenured friend of the pod. So anyhow, this was a great podcast. We really wanted to kind of get the tone and tenor of the, the NBA world. And, and Pina is a great resource for that, specifically from the Celtics persuasion. Uh, Prada also wrote a, a column that you guys should all go read. They both have published and, and were up late into the into the night last night about this awesome and provocative Kyrie Irving and Isaiah Thomas and you know, Cavs Celtics and just so much to talk about. So we got into it. Uh, I think you'll enjoy this quick hitter. Not a long one. We'll be back to the season previews that we're doing uh, as part of our regular series that's coming out. Look for the Hornets. And then eventually we have Denver and uh, the Heat and Pistons and a bunch of other teams coming up uh, as well with the Pelicans one that just dropped. So check that out uh, as well. Um, but before you do any of that, this podcast is part of the Vox Media Podcast Network. There are lots of great podcasts you can go check out as part of that network. So just go look for that on iTunes. Um, and when I say iTunes, I mean Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, SBNation.com backslash MBA. Those are where you can find this podcast. Um, and then on iTunes, subscribe, rate, review. All those good things. We love when that happens. The feedback is great. The comments are great. Uh, you can send questions always to at Mike Prada SBN at limited underscore upside and at EpiBen. That's on Twitter. Or you can send Mike an email. That's Mike Prada at SBNation.com. Um, sit back and enjoy this episode of the Limited Upside podcast. Welcome back to the Limited Upside Podcast. This is a special edition emergency podcast. We threw up the bat light or the pina light, as we call it. Mike Pina is joining us uh, from California, from Los Angeles. Prada's on the line as well. Mike and Mike, how you guys doing? Doing great, Ben. How are you? You said that with all the enthusiasm of someone who's been working all night on this trade stuff. Yeah, the, the jet lag, right? And, and all of that combining for an enthusiastic response there. But I'm excited. I think this is one of the most uh, incredible off seasons in any sports league's history. And this is just like 15 cherries dropped on top. It's the big trade. Um, impossible not to have this emergency podcast, right, Prada? So let's oh, get it's right amazing. In. Real quick, this yeah. stat amazed me. I looked this up. If you assume that Carmelo Anthony will get traded soon. And if you assume that Chris Paul should have been an, an all-star and was robbed for whatever reason, 10 of the the 25 people on last year's all-star team have switched teams in the last 14 months. Wow. 40%. That's pretty awesome. 40% yeah. of those players. Oh, and once Carmelo changes teams and yeah. adding Chris Paul, 10 of 25 have changed teams now. Crap! I and only many... one of and only one of them really matters. <laughs> That's, true. <laughs> That's so true. And I wonder how many have moved multiple times as well, which is probably a few of them now. Um, all right, 
Let's get right into it. I want to start with uh, the piece that, that you wrote, Peanut, uh, today. I guess your last night you published it, whenever in the wee morning or wee hours that you uh, finish this off. But the Boston Celtics are gambling on a budding supernova in Kyrie Irving was the, the title of the piece. And I want to start with actually the end because I think it, we should reverse engineer this to get your your thoughts. So it ends with viewing it one way, Boston dealt a star role player, promising big man prospect, and a high draft pick for another star. But if Irving can unfurl his limitless offensive repertoire on demand, transform into a playmaking savant, and probe capable and prove capable of being the best player on a championship winning team, this bet will pay off in a major way. So please talk me through this logic here. Uh, it seems like you like the trade in theory for the Celtics. I go back and forth on whether or not I like it. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that I necessarily like the trade for the Celtics. I think it's an exciting deal for them, uh, and it's basically like it's fundamentally based on you know what your thoughts are on Kyrie Irving today and what your thoughts are on his potential. He's obviously only twenty five years old. He's got two more years on this deal. There's been reports that he is interested in re-signing with the Celtics on a long-term deal. So having a guy like that, four-time All-Star, locked up through his prime would be fantastic. Um, And I don't think anyone can argue that you would want Kyrie's next five, six years as opposed to Isaiah Thomas's next four, five, six years. So that's wonderful. Um, But, I mean... There are a lot of flaws with Kyrie Irving's game, and it's it's no guarantee, in my opinion, that he'll ever be considered universally considered a top ten player in the NBA. It's it's possible, um, but like I, I I don't think you can categorize him with someone like James Harden or Russell Westbrook or Kawhi Leonard. Just in those guys have kind of proven their ability to carry lesser talent on their backs and. Um, you know, be perennial all NBA type players. I mean, Kyrie Irving's only made one all NBA team in his career. He's finished one, one time he's finished in the top 10 in scoring one time, top 10 in win shares. So there's flaws to his game. And um, I don't know if he makes guys better around him. And there's just a lot of question marks. Is is that, is that to say though, that like that package in your mind should fetch a top 10 player as in that's the value you should get for, for what the Celtics gave up. Yes, I would okay. say that, and and I would say, we before we went live, uh, we were talking about mm-hmm. just swapping Isaiah for Kyrie one for one, and if you look at Isaiah's numbers last year, I mean, he was he obviously had a better year than Kyrie. I don't know if that means he's a better player. Mm-hmm. Uh, you factor in the hip injury, you factor in the free agency, and that obviously muddles that conversation a little bit. But sure, I sure. do think that they gave up quite a bit. Are Celtics fans happy about this trade? Yeah, you get to be our expert and our fan. This is the perfect comment. I'm very, I, I'm like, <laughs> I feel like they're not all the way in on this. So this is the actually the first time that I can remember where I was getting texts from, like, people who do not follow the NBA. Like, what are the Celtics doing? <laughs> yeah, and, I got a couple of those, too. Yeah, and it's it's kind of like I think a lot of Celtics fans are just so it's really hard to describe how in love Boston was with Isaiah Thomas last year. 
Like just it was an emotional roller coaster from the moment he was traded to the team up until, you know, he kind of limped off the floor in the Eastern Conference Finals. His performance in the Bulls series with all that happened off the court with him, the tragic stuff, and and uh, his, I hate to bring it up, Mike, but the just like the savage, what was it, like a 52-point performance? 53. 53. I'm glad you. I'm glad you were Sorry, ac- made it accurate, Ben. It was Sorry, very important Mike. to make sure we got the exact point. Total. They needed every point. That's the. That's the point. Yes. Yeah, that's he, true. He, he was just phenomenal. He was a huge fan favorite. Um, the biggest, probably the biggest star since Paul Pierce, in a Celtics uniform, and uh, he symbolized kind of their resurgence uh, and just how quickly they went from. Uh, you know, being a lottery team in Brad Stevens' first year to getting all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals, a lot of people associated that with the trade to bring Isaiah in. So he he meant a lot to a lot of people. And on the other side, there was Kyrie, who I mean, he lit the Celtics on fire every <laughs> single time they faced off in the playoffs. And I don't think a lot of Celtics fans really appreciated it. Kyrie's also a little bit of a tough. He's a he's an interesting person. Um, obviously. He believes that uh, certain scientific facts are uh, <laughs> not necessarily dogma. He's all, all the Boston Globe question, uh, you know, comments today on, on Twitter were very fantastic. good. Yeah, <laughs> very yeah. good. None of those, none of those jokes fell flat. I was really impressed. Um, <laughs> but he's kind of is a little hard to sort of. Our Fear the Sword wrote a really good piece about this. He's kind of hard to figure out. And, like, Isaiah is, like, the complete opposite personality-wise. Like, he's very easy to figure out. So I imagine there's an emotional component. I mean, the question I'd well, have to— also, real quick, it's also just that very obvious, in-your-face, you know, dichotomy, which was the first player picked in the same draft as the guy who was picked with the last pick in the same draft. So, so funny how that works. You know, you have you have this beautiful flip side of like fan bases always want to have the underdog mentality. That is a mostly and, and look, the Red Sox most famous teams have all had that, like the first or Super Bowl, if you will, when they were the underdog. The first Red Sox World Series and they had to come back from down three oh to the Yankees. They actually had people rooting for them with the underdog mentality. And Isaiah brought a lot of that. Whereas Kyrie is more polarizing as a personal, as a public figure from a pop culture standpoint, as well as the way he plays and who he is as, you know, an NBA player. It's much easier to get behind the team. Who's a scrappy defensive, whatever team who's led by this offensive juggernaut. Who's five eight, you know? Yeah. But it's Boston. I think they'll get over that. element. Of it. <laughs> like, no, but I mean, I, I don't mean that. I mean that just because I feel like if you're, if you're the Charlotte, if you're the Charlotte Hornets or like the Memphis Grizzlies, there's a lot more value in having, or even the Washington Wizards, there's a lot more value in having like that one dude that's sort of a legacy player that sticks around for a while. But like Boston sure. is not lacking for legendary figures, so I mean they are almost in the luxury where they can make a a move that's really about winning. Um, the other thing too is that I imagine Celtics fans are are unhappy about losing the Brooklyn pick, or at least some of them are, because there's like this great possibility that could be anything. Um, and, you know, it's now box. box it, could be anything. Box could be anything. And, and like, we spent all this time, like they didn't get this person and they didn't get that person. And like, now this is what the return is. And, and you get to lose Isaiah Thomas and Jay Crowder. I just, it's one of those things. I think that, 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 that pick sort of took on a life of its own. It, it, built into something that was way more than what it actually was like you know and that that probably has a lot to do with it too you have on the one side the emotional player and then on the other side it's like the 
you know, mystery box. Those are really nice. And Kyrie Irving, for what he is, like you, you in some ways, you have no idea what he kind of is as a lead guard. But in other ways, he almost has the most like in your face. This this is what my game is type of game in the NBA. You know, he's like the most he's the least he's the most predictable player in the league in a lot of senses. You kind of know exactly what he is. And he's great. Like he is the best. Right shot maker of hard shots like there's no one who can legitimately stop him in certain one-on-one situations but one of the points i wanted to ask pina about most importantly kind of in this you know end thesis here if you will uh, or at least uh you know cap state caps on the statement here is this idea into transforming into a playmaking savant so like now now this is done um there's no going back you have to love him or leave him uh, uh boston fans but this the idea here is you have no choice he's on your team so um, where does this fit in with with Hayward, with the two young guys on the wing uh, in Brown and Tatum? You know, talk me through kind of actually the fit with this team. And Prade, I want to get your opinion as well, and then we'll move on to what the Cavs kind of get out of this in the second part of the pod. Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting. Like the the Boston Celtics don't play basketball like the Cleveland Cavaliers have over the past few years, and a lot of that is because the Cavs have LeBron, and he's kind of their system. And he allowed Kyrie to play to his strengths, which, as you pointed out, are, you know, ISO heavy basketball where he's he's efficient, um, but he doesn't or hasn't necessarily made guys around him better in in ways that you would expect uh, when you're giving up what the Celtics gave up. You would expect to get back a, a, a true superstar, someone who who does make life easier for those around him directly and indirectly. So I don't know. If Kyrie is able to do that, I don't know if uh, if if Brad Stevens how how dramatically Brad will kind of bend his system to fit Kyrie and how much Kyrie will alter what has made him so successful to fit in with the Celtics and fit in with uh, guys like Gordon Hayward and Al Horford and it's it's really fortunate I don't know if they would have made this trade if they didn't have two two guys like that to to kind of um just extremely adaptable talents like Hayward mm-hmm. and and Horford two guys who are extremely unselfish who kind of do a lot of who can uh impact games without necessarily putting the ball in the basket and I don't know if Kyrie can do that so it'll be really interesting to see just kind of how it all meshes I think it's great. I think it's a great fit for him. You know, you have the best screen setter in the NBA and like this ultimate role player in in Horford. You've got a really good secondary scorer. Like, isn't it funny that this was the team that Cleveland wanted to build before they got LeBron? You know, the the, the Kyrie and Mm -hmm. Hayward. It's It's a great fit there. It's the kind of system that I think will demand him to be. He will be the man, but it will not let him be a static man. Like I think in. In Cleveland, you have either like kind of there was a little bit of Kyrie's play, LeBron's play, although they had some good pick and roll chemistry. There was a little bit of that trading off that I don't think you'll get here. He has people that when he, you know, the role the other role players can spot up off him in a way that I think LeBron it's just not his game. I think it's a terrific fit there. And when you think about the bigger picture of what Boston did, and this is why I like the trade actually for them, even though they gave up a lot. This year, they're probably, I mean, when you consider that Isaiah is coming in with an injury uh, this year, and when you consider that Kyrie, when it counts, is probably the guy you want over Isaiah in, like, tough playoff situation, 
they they are at least as good as they were last year from a top level standpoint. They then pried their window open an extra year if LeBron leaves. So like they don't have to worry about like how much to pay Isaiah or how much to pay for Bradley or whatever. Like 2018 Celtics could easily be the number the, the the clear East favorite, and that's when they'll be even stronger. And so they keep that open. And the cost was okay. They lost one pick, but they still have the Lakers or Sixers pick coming in reserve. They still have those two really good young players. Like if the whole point of what Boston is trying to do is to be good on two different tracks, like I kind of accomplished the goal here. You know, if they had kept, so this is why, like with the Isaiah point, like w- the alternative of keeping Isaiah is what. Your team, he can't possibly be any better than he was last year. Like, I'm sorry, he just can't. You know, you have Hayward in there, but you also lose a lot of rotation players. Then you don't, then you have to kind of make an either a let Isaiah go and take the step back in 2018 or pay him a lot and risk like sort of your future flexibility. Now you don't have to do that. So I don't know. I think this kind of accomplishes all their goals. And I think that they will be just as good this year, um, if not better. And especially in the playoffs, like I think they're a more dangerous playoff team now. Yeah. It yeah. That, go ahead, Peter. Go ahead. I would just say that I, I think, sure, if you, if you, you can argue that, Kyrie in Boston with Hayward is a better fit than Isaiah would be next year. But, I mean, you kind of, like, look at on the defensive end and and the pieces that they've just generally lost outside of this deal. And, like, the entire nucleus of that 53-win team that went to the conference finals is just – it's just a different basketball team now. I mean – like Marcus Smart is the longest tenured Celtic. Terry Rozier is the second longest tenured Celtic. Um, there's really like this team had a lot of success over the past four years because of their constant continuity. Uh, there wasn't a ton of turnover from year to year. Uh, and you know, this year there's going to be like a shit ton. And I don't know how, I don't know how, I I mean, I think there's going to be a period where these guys have to, I, I don't think Kyrie is necessarily a player who you step on the floor day one and, your game just meshes with his. I think it, it'll take a little bit of time, and I think that'll prevent them from being the one seed. Or, I mean, honestly, I'm looking at teams that do have continuity that will have internal improvement, like the Wizards. Say it. Say it. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Wizards. I think the Raptors. Um, yeah. There's no. It's not. It's not like a shoe in that the Celtics, after making this trade, will be at the top of the Eastern Conference next season. That's true. But okay, before the trade. You still lost Bradley. You still lost a lot of your key players to get Hayward. Uh, And then you have the problem of now your window is not going to be open next year necessarily. Now, I actually agree with you that it might take them – their best year might not be till 2018, but 2018 is like the year for them if LeBron leaves. And that's great. And as far as the pieces they lost, like it's going to take some time for them to gel, but like – Jay Crowder's a really good player, but they have Marcus Morris, too. Like, he's a good stand-in, and he's a pretty good player, too. You know, maybe he shot a less, a slightly worse three-point percentage. Maybe he's not quite as good a defender, but, I mean, he can play that role. They brought in, like, Aaron Baines is better than Amir Johnson. They brought him in, and that's going to help. They're going to miss Bradley, but if Brown and Rozier and Smart all take, like, little steps forward, that'll make up for Bradley's loss, I think. And so, like... A lot of people are looking at this and saying, wow, they gave up so much. But, like, they, 
they kind of didn't, in my opinion. Like they they recouped a lot of what they gave up already, and so there's the problem of like, are they going to be better next year and wins? Like I get that, but I mean, I think that like ultimately, when it comes to April, May, and June, like their team is better for that, and they're better for the future, and they're still pretty good for the long future. So I, that's why I kind of like the trade for them, contrary to what a lot of the people are saying, I guess. I mean, doesn't it feel like this trade was made with the thought of you know, beating Cleveland? <laughs> Isn't that kind of one of the funny aspects of this? I, like, see, I don't, I don't think so. Like playoff basketball, though, is like sort of where Kyrie's bread and butter has been his entire career. Uh, or I should say consistently, at least. That's where he's played his best basketball. And so, I mean, how much of this is just being able to say, now we have that secret weapon to get us those big buckets and all things else, uh, all things uh, with the rest of the roster now being new, you know, considered, obviously. But, you know, they should match up significantly better with the two teams who they, I think, perceive as the two matchups that matter the most. I'm not as, you know, I mean, I like the idea of Toronto, um, you know, or the Wizards competing with them throughout the regular season. But I think when it comes to seven-game series, you need to have – you know, these complete teams in order to have a realistic chance. I'm not sure the Wizards are quite there, Mike. No, I don't think so either. I don't think so. Right. So I think it's like really they're looking at it like, well, we have realistically two series that we need to be ready to win in seven. And that's... Yeah, yeah. no, those are are really good points. When you mentioned them trying to get over the hump with the Cavs, I think it's actually like maybe a look even deeper down um, into the future with, like I think they look at the Warriors, even though they're in the Eastern Conference, more so than the Cavaliers. Mm-hmm. And when you have, I mean, Danny Ainge mentioned the fact that Kyrie is 25 years old about 35 times in his conference <laughs> call last night. And I, and I think a big reason why is because when he actually gets into his prime, when he's 28, 29, um, and potentially you know the best player at his position, like that'll be when the Warriors will hopefully have declined or deteriorated <laughs> or whatever. And that's kind of when you have this top 10 player, at least one top 10 player. Yep. You have Hayward, who's still in his prime. You have these young guys with Tatum uh, and Jalen, who have hopefully evolved into something special. You've potentially taken the leftover assets that you still have, that Lakers pick, uh, maybe Tatum or Jalen, um, and like a Marcus Smart, and you've kind of, you know, put those chips in, and you've tried to get someone like Anthony Davis. And I think that these are the the the. the so I think that that timeline is kind of clearly where they're on now. Whereas it used to be, you know, they were towing. I think they'll be competitive for sure, and they they may get to the conference finals again. It wouldn't like that wouldn't totally shock me this year. But I think it's it's clear to me that. Like the future is now where they're really focused with with how they make their making their personnel decisions. Right. See, I think this is a trade for not this year. Yeah, yeah. And I actually think a lot of what they did is for not this year. I mean, what they're I would say that they probably are about neutral in the present. They're a lot better in the near future, and I guess we'll see about the far future, but I think they're still pretty good there too. You know, they're probably better there as well. Um but see the all of this begs I think an interesting question that we can ask now in hindsight, which is hard to do in reality, but like, you know, who else is like kind of like a mid prime player who's under contract for two more years that could have been had for the Brooklyn pick and Jay Crowder, Mr. Butler. 
Right. So why not? I think it's worth asking the question of like, if this, if that was sort of the concern, like why not put those chips in for Butler or for someone else or for George or for all these other options? Like, why Kyrie? Um, and I think there's argument to be made that Kyrie was the best fit because you also sort of remove the uh, Thomas dilemma in this situation. And you get Hayward too, which I think you probably still could have done, but maybe not. You know, but like, I think it's worth asking if, like, after all of that, like, did the Celtics wait a little long and would they have been better off really ma- being more decisive and getting butler maybe they couldn't have maybe they they couldn't have but like this this is the move this is the kind of caliber of player in this age range that that they've been were rumored to be after for a long time and so why why get Kyrie now when you've passed on maybe other opportunities well i would say that if you did make that trade for butler then you would not have had the opportunity to uh you know if we're talking about it i believe it was at the trade deadline where the brooklyn pick that eventually turned into the first overall pick which was flipped for tatum and then this lakers kings pick you would not get those assets um and so i think that you know not having jason tatum on the roster and having jimmy butler and potentially we don't it's really difficult to go back and see what the, the how their cap space would have um, kind of jiggered out, but not potentially not having Hayward or maybe Hayward looking at a team with Jimmy Butler and not wanting to go there. Um, these are all kind of factors that I think played into kind of their mindset before pulling the trigger on the Jimmy Butler trade. But, but yeah, it's, it's, I, I, I do like um, the fact that, yeah, it's really interesting. Just like, the hip injury, which was another thing that Danny Ainge talked about, I, I really do wonder how much of a variable this is and how, how badly this played into everything. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's probably a factor as well. The other question I have about this is, if Danny Ainge was given the choice, if the Cavs were like, we want either Jason Tatum or the Nets pick, uh, which it sounds like they offered for it. like Yeah, that, that seems to be the, the rumor here. And it sounds like the Celtics chose Tatum. Would you have made that choice? Well, I don't think that this Nets pick is going to be top five, personally. Uh, um, wait, outside of the top five, you think it'll be? Well, high? I've heard this a lot recently. Like recently, they're like, "Oh, look at how nice a, a summer the Nets had, and look at what they're building." And it's possible. I'm on that, uh, yeah, I'm on that train, and it's not. It's it's really not as much about how much better the Nets got with their personnel. It's just more the Nets have no incentive to tank and i look at a bunch of teams in the eastern conference right now that have already started to tank basically um so i just think if you look Mm -hmm. at the landscape and you know you have to measure these teams against one another a lot of teams will be losing on purpose a lot of teams took major step backwards a lot of stars went to the western conference so i do think that the, the the nets will be substantially better uh, next season than they were last season. And, and I know in talking to people in the Celtics front office that they feel the exact same way. Hmm. I do not think I still so. Think they're one of the, yeah, I was going to say, I still think they're one of the five worst teams. That, that um, this, I look at, you know, through my projections or what I would look at for the NBA next year, five would be the high end of where they well, finish. Well, let's think about this, right? Chicago is tanking. Uh, Sacramento is tanking. Indiana probably should be tanking. Uh, Phoenix is on the timeline, which is a nice way of saying they're tanking. <laughs> you know, the timeline. Atlanta. 
Atlanta is obviously taking a big step back. Um, Orlando the is Knicks, the yeah, Knicks. Orlando yeah, the Knicks are bad. I mean, it's uh, possible. The Lakers. The Lakers, the Lakers in there. I think they'll be pretty bad. Yeah, the but Lakers, the La- I, yeah the Lakers have your pick. The Lakers have an incentive to win too, though, because they don't want to be in the top five teams unless they get the number one pick. Right, right. but yeah, they're, they're also in the Western Conference. I just, I just think if you're, in, if wait, you're wait, not wait, Mike, good, Mike, the Lakers have no incentive. The Lakers lose their pick no matter what next year. Okay, well they, yeah. okay, um, yeah, it but just doesn't go to the Celtics. The, yeah, you're right. Okay, all right. So, but I, I think the Nets are right there with. I think the three worst teams in the league next year are going to be Chicago, Sacramento, and the Nets. Those are my three picks for worst teams. But look, it's possible. You know, and if that's the case, then yeah, I mean, then you would value Tatum, I suppose. Uh, it is a really good draft next year, though. Mm-hmm. Well, so somewhere there's like a Celtics kid fan, I'm like 13 years old, who had already pre-ordered his Luka Donich uh, jersey, and he's crying. That's, I'm so and that's sorry. too bad. And that that is the true travesty here. If you're like me, you know you have to shave, but you don't like doing it. The razors are expensive, the gel is expensive, you have to kind of switch them out a lot, and you cut yourself while shaving, you've got to use all this product in order to have your skin moisturized. It's just not a very fun experience, and it never was a fun experience for me, and I really didn't want a beard. That changed when the Dollar Shave Club came to my inbox. Dollar Shave Club is the smarter choice. It's got this great Dr. Carver shave butter. It feels really smooth coming off your skin. It actually makes the act of shaving fun, and I love that. And it's also a great deal. You can get a great shave at a great price, conveniently delivered right to your door. They send it to you in the mail. You don't have to go to the store. You don't have to get either a really expensive razor or a cheap disposable razor that gets a crappy shave. You don't have to do any of that. It comes right to your door. It's a great life hack and a great no-brainer choice. And it's got this amazing butter that feels so good on your skin. It almost doesn't look like shaving cream. It's nice and clear, and it just doesn't feel like shaving cream. And you don't have to get all those other products in order to have your face properly moisturized. It's a terrific deal. You get all the stuff you need in shaving in one with the Dollar Shave Club. And now, lucky you, for a limited time, new members get their first month of the Executive Razor with a tube of their Dr. Carver Shave Butter for only $5 a month with free shipping. And after that, razors are just a few bucks a month and you can quit at any time if you don't like it. That's a $15 value for only 5 bucks. And in that first month's box, you get an awesome weighty handle, a full cassette of pork cartridges, and a tube of the shave butter, all for just 5 bucks. And after the first month, these replacement cartridges ship automatically at the regular price. No hidden fees, no commitments, cancel anytime you like. But you can only get this offer exclusively through the Limited Upside podcast. Go to dollarshaveclub.com slash upside in order to take advantage. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash upside. Dollar Shave Club, the smarter, more convenient, and more comfortable way to get a close shave. All right. 
let's get the other you know side of the coin. There's another team involved in this deal that actually got some some players back. We've been talking about, and I want to know what that fits like as well, at least for the short term, which would be next season. Let's assume that Isaiah's hip is playable. And that there isn't some kind of like, you know, uh, retroactive surgery that we don't know about that he's going to get in a month or two when it just doesn't work out. That's one of the things that, that concerns me, by the way, about this. But I know, Mike, you'd already, Apina, you'd already mentioned that. But Preda, talk me through why this, you know, is such a, I don't know, I guess, lauded move um, by the media at the moment for, for the Cavs. Um, obviously, a lot of this is speculative, a lot of ifs that they're getting back here. But tell me about, about why this is such a positive move for them, given the circumstances and, and Kobe Altman just, uh, you know, really becoming a GM recently. Yeah, I mean, look at how other, what other stars went for. And then look at this package. <laughs> and it's a huge, it's so much better, this package, you know. And this is for a guy that basically kind of was on, had his foot out the door anyway. There's talk that he right. wasn't going to report for camp. So, you know, to do this well, considering the circumstances, is pretty amazing. Um, so they get arguably the best non-player asset in the league right now, I would say, in the Nets pick. They get like a f- reasonable facsimile and perhaps a better version of, of Kyrie maybe is – going to be better at kind of bring more motion in like i'm not sure that happens and they get like the exact role player they haven't had and now and need so badly and now they have so i mean we put it all together like that that's pretty nice for someone you were going to probably who's either going to leave or be disgruntled or you know like kind of fall flat uh this season no no <laughs> no 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 jokes like that um <laughs> Yeah, 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 he probably would have been. He sulked, sulked from one end of the world to the other all, yeah. all season. No. <laughs> you know, so I don't know. That's a pretty good return. I do think there's a little bit of like, you know, like the, hey, this is good for the present and the future, uh, and that therefore it's a great trade. And like, but it like also is like makes both situations like not great in a different way, type of thing. But it's like, I mean, in paper, it's a great. To return for someone who's going to leave anyway. Yeah, no, it, it's a great return. But like the first thing that, that came to my mind when I saw, you know, the moving parts of the trade was, well, their thought process is now hopefully with that Nets pick. And this is, you know, has to be what it is, right? With that Nets pick, you get the reboot player to, you know, kickstart the franchise again. It can't be like this move will be to get LeBron to stay because ultimately he's leaving or staying based upon him his own decisions and whatever other free agents they can get in there. It's not going to be about some 18 year old. They're so, probably better next year though. If Isaiah stays healthy as, yeah, the, in the regular so, season, at least So, are they more prepared now to beat golden state? I guess if we had to compare Boston to Cleveland and golden state is Cleveland going to give, be able to, you know, match up stronger, I guess with Crowder being the big variable here with, with golden state, um, also assuming that Isaiah is probably like still the same net negative defensively as Kyrie was. I don't, I don't, I mean, I, I wouldn't pick them to win, but I definitely think that their roster is better suited mm-hmm. uh, this season than it was last year. I mean, you have Crowder, you have, um, I, I still am, I'm not a, like a Derek Rose believer, but I, mean, <laughs> I don't think he's the worst player in the world, especially now that he'll be a backup for sure. Yeah. Um, uh, Jeff Green is on the team, uh, and, that's, <laughs> and, that's, <laughs> you know, that's, and we're going to cop it up for Jeff. Yeah, yeah, that's that's obviously not anything to write home about. But I mean, that's that's size and that's athleticism, at least. I mean, they, that they didn't have last year. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I like this roster more. Uh, I think that that Nets pick. I think attaching that to uh, 
uh, one of the players on the roster and shopping it could be very interesting. And mm. it's it, there's really not. I, I mean, I briefly looked around to see what you could get for something like that that would make sense. And there's really not. I don't know, Mike or, or Ben, if you guys have. I did this today around. too. No, I did this yeah. today too. Uh, did Alec, you see anything? Alex Rubenstein brought this up in the morning, and it like was a mind mind fuck for me for about an hour and a half or for an hour. I was like, okay, if you take love and the Nets pick, like what can you get? Like if it's the Thunder flounder, great. like, well, wait, if the Thunder flounder, like does that get you Paul George mm. or DeMarcus okay. cousins? Mm, okay. Well, see that, that would be I mean, interesting. That's a, well, I, I think if the Thunder flounder is a, that's a pretty big, yeah, I'm not banking on that. If, uh, I think they'll be pretty good, um, but yeah, that that's a good one. Uh, I don't know about Demarcus Cousins coming in there and kind of being like a a, a savior, for lack of a better phrase. Well, but like, I just feel like if if Kyrie didn't like the way LeBron treated him, I don't know if Demarcus Cousins is going to be signing up for that uh, and, and participating maybe more more actively. Yeah, it, it isn't a great big list. Like, I guess the other one that might be, I don't know, if Blake Griffin is, like, kind of, yeah, even that, I don't think that that would really help him very much. You that know, was the long... first name that popped in my head when I was thinking about this last night, and then I, I just, like, quickly dismissed it. Because, like, if you're, if, you're, <laughs> uh, if you're Cleveland, and, like, I, I think they're a year away from entering the repeater tax, uh, like... If you're not contending for a championship, which means LeBron James is no longer on your team, then what are you going to do with that Blake Griffin contract and all the money that you owe to Tristan and Jr. and and you know everybody else on the roster? It's like yeah, it doesn't make much sense. It's it's, it's tricky. Do you know who's a big loser in this whole situation? Is Indiana for not holding on to Paul George longer? Uh, Could you imagine? Like obviously, right? if, If Paul George, the Pacers. If he was still on the Pacers, like, and the Cavs would do that trade in a heartbeat, wouldn't they? And the Pacers would have to accept. Instead, Victor Oladipo and Damanis Sabonis are on the team. It's a big yeah, missed opportunity. <laughs> big missed opportunity. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, if they unless they make a move like that, I mean, I guess the other thing too is that they can trade their own pick now, make a smaller trade if they need to get one more guy. The one thing I'm I'm really curious about is. If you look at it on paper, it's like, yeah, Isaiah is like kind of plays like Kyrie, very similar type of player, was better last year statistically. And yeah, Jay Crowder, that's a guy we can throw at Durant. But then at the same time, it's also, all right, does Isaiah Thomas engender the same sort of one-on-one fear that Kyrie Irving does in the Warriors? And is Jay Crowder going to be able to stop Kevin Durant anyway? So you well, maybe no. <laughs> right. No. So it's yeah. like it looks better on paper, but I'm not sure like if it's going to make a huge difference. Yeah. And then again, I'm not sure there was any move short of getting yeah. George and keeping Irving that would have made a difference either. Yeah, there's going to be some great, you know, uh, ten years from now, thirty for thirty, or maybe an SB Nation piece, Mike. If you can commission this, and you're still working at the company, uh, a great piece written about this off season, just like where this stood historically for for maybe all of sports. It's like it's the pinnacle of player power and 
and just big names moving and small markets, you know, are somehow now it's fine if two superstars play in Oklahoma City and the, the debate is about. Well, is it? I guess we'll see. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'll see for, for now. <laughs> two LA guys playing in Oklahoma City together, but um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's just fascinating because there's there's ultimately been a ton of moves and then even more moves that were just that close that stood there for a moment and then didn't go through and and, and those are almost going to be more fascinating to look back on. That uh, that Indiana Denver uh, Cleveland three way trade that got rejected at ownership level uh, mm. is going to be one of the ultimate what ifs in a while. I think. What was the that one, one again? The one where Kevin Love would have gone to the Nuggets. Oh yeah. And uh, Gary Harris and uh, what was the other piece that was coming back from was was going to Indiana? Uh, Gary Harrison pieces and uh, Paul George going to the to the Cavs. Mm. You know, because that that changes three yeah. teams right there. Yeah, definitely. Oh, man, man, crazy. It actually worked out pretty well for Denver then, because instead now they just have Millsap, who is you know, much better. Hmm. Kevin Love. I think we can argue that. But still, be- better still, contract, I would say. And they still have Gary Harris. Yeah, I think well, that's I think true, it worked right? out decently for Denver. I think so too. <laughs> Anyhow, we'll talk about them on the uh, upcoming uh, season preview. We'll be doing quick plug. Mm-hmm. Um, that's coming up shortly. Uh, Adam Mar is joining us, like last year, another great guest. So, anyhow, um, but no, this is uh, this is good. We needed to do this. I'm glad we put up the uh, the penis spotlight or the penal light, whatever the bat light for uh, for Mike <laughs> here. It worked. It worked. It worked all the way in, in Southern California from uh, from New York. So, thanks for uh, for making the time for us. But I know it's been it's been crazy. Any any last thoughts here that uh, you want you want to articulate? Uh, no, I mean, I'm just honestly still a little shocked <laughs> like <laughs> that this happened. And I remember when I first saw someone throw out this hypothetical, like it was like almost two weeks ago, the Isaiah Crowder and the Brooklyn pick for Kyrie. I was like, that's one of the dumbest ideas I've ever, <laughs> and, but like then when uh, like uh, a front office that you respect does something you just kind of view it a different way and I'm still pretty skeptical about it, but long-term I do think that it'll make life easier for the team and, and we'll see how good Kyrie can be in a Celtics uniform. See, this feels like the trade that like always made the most sense, but nobody wanted to admit it because it's just too weird for these two teams to trade with each other. But like, I don't know. It was almost like the deal hiding in plain sight to me. Like, the Cavs obviously have to maximize LeBron's last year, but also prepare for, you know, what happens if he leaves. This trade does that. <laughs> the Celtics, you know, have to solve the Isaiah dilemma um, and uh, get a get someone who can, you know, make plays in the playoffs and pry the window open a little longer. This solves that. I don't know. It just it's like one of those moves where it's like it's like looking for your wallet in your house and you leave it like right on your dresser. You're like looking <laughs> around for the other trade that like totally makes the most sense. And then it just stares you right in the face, and it's like, wow, why didn't I think of that sooner? That makes way too much sense for both teams. That's how I, that this trade felt for me. Yeah. You're yeah. a genius, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, wait, this would make me uh, not mean, a genius, because I'm admitting that I was I was not seeing the forest for the trees, or I was seeing the forest for the trees. How does that phrase work? Oh, no, oh, no. Somehow we always get to that, <laughs> that saying, that idiom, and, and screw it up. Dang it. Um with that, but honestly, you know, this is uh, this is what the best part about basketball is now, or the worst part for you guys to do it professionally and not as a hobby like myself, uh, is that it is a, a twelve months of the year, and and the craziest things can happen in like you know late August before preseason's even started. So, um, just speaks even more to that. The NBA has a full grip on the narrative of of the sports world, and I love it. Um, this is great. 
Pina, go get some sleep or, or enjoy uh, Marina, wherever you are there in, in Southern California. It's probably lovely. And thanks for joining us, buddy. Thanks for having me, guys. <laughs> anytime, anytime. Prada, uh, you, uh, you you did a Hornets podcast today. People can check that out. Probably coming up uh, after this one, right? Yeah, we'll probably post that at some point uh, in the next couple of days. And we have Detroit coming up after that and then Denver and Miami, I think, are the last ones. We just put the Pelicans one up, um, which I don't know. I just I, I really want that organization to succeed, but I'm like very skeptical of it. And I think that registered <laughs> in the podcast that I recorded. Yeah, I tried to buoy that with more optimism, despite uh, three punctures in the raft from my other uh, yeah. <laughs> guests I, on the show. I feel Pelicans fans were hoping for something more uplifting, and I get it. I understand. Like, you want to be excited about the year, but I just I don't trust that organization. I it's I hope it works out for them, and hopefully I'm wrong because you know if Davis and Cousins works, that would be really awesome. Yep, and if it doesn't, maybe one of them will end up on uh, one of the two teams we just talked about. Absolutely. It seems, seems to be the natural gravitational pull of the league. But uh, alas, um, we could go on for hours. Prada, thanks for cutting the time out here. Uh, as well, Pina, thanks again. Uh, and this is the Limited Upside Podcast. Limited Upside Podcast.